everybody. Welcome back to All the Things with Luke Tim. I am your host, uh, Luke Tim. There you go. It's me. This uh, podcast today is the first one after our trip to Kenya. Uh, I've got Keith Troy with me in the house. He was the leader for this trip. This is his first time leading. It was his third time in Kakama and his uh, fourth or fifth time, I think, overall in Kenya, something like that. So he is a veteran of this uh, this trip, but a veteran also just of the mission trip to Kenya. Kind of a cool, cool guy in that um, ever since joining our church, he has just kind of gone in fuego for Jesus and missions and all this stuff. And there's there's so many podcasts uh, out there about Kenya, but you could dig up a few that that Keith has done with me and just his story from going from this guy. Uh, who's, who's been in churches all his life, has, has been in church leadership and on councils and call teams and done all that kind of stuff before. And uh, I think for a long time, the idea of being a missionary was not on his radar screen, but uh, it has it has grabbed hold of him. So much so that we trusted him with being the leader. I still go on these trips, but uh, he is the, the leader. He pulls everything together. So we've got uh, him, another leader, and before too long, we'll probably do uh, yet another trip with yet another leader and get more and more people going. So this is our recap of the trip. If you were following online, you'll see we had some drama for travel. This was the hardest travel trip we've ever done. Um kind of culminating the the peak of it was a a car accident and it was a I downplayed it on online just because I didn't want that to become the focus of the trip while we were there it just it didn't need to be that but we do talk about it in a lot of detail I think a fair amount of detail in this podcast yeah it was a it was a bad accident it was a rollover Uh, I was involved I was in it Um, I wasn't driving Um, so there haha everybody thinks that I'm a reckless idiot uh, I didn't do it. I was in it. Uh, I, I basically just did a cartwheel. Uh, I saw it coming, so I was I was well prepared for it. But we were all okay, and uh, it's a very very much a testimony of God's grace in all of that. So, yeah, cool podcast with Keith uh, recounting again. If you, if you been paying attention all these years, we do two trips: one to Marunga, which is a very different trip to the the Tumanese Center. That's what Kari's Coffee is about. And then this one is to refugee camp with uh, Sudanese, South Sudanese, Ethiopians, um, all, all sorts of different people. So anyways, you'll hear in the... All right, without further ado, here is Keith Troy. It's a, there's nine letters in my first and last name, and it's rarely said or spelled correctly. You should just just change the way you spell your name. <laughs> Get that mic a little bit closer. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. Keith Troy. T R E A U. No, T R E U. E U. E U. That's right. Even I screwed up still. Uh, what are we drinking? Uh, we're drinking Karis coffee that was grown in Kenya, shipped to the states, roasted here, ground here. Went back to Kenya with the mission team. (laughs) 
we didn't finish all of it. We didn't finish all of it because of our shortened time. And yeah, what a crazy trip this year! It was terribly crazy. <laughs> it was, it was insane. And this is your first time as a lead on the trip. That is correct. How did that feel? Uh, well, it really, it changed things significantly. I several things. You know, it makes the trip longer because you're involved before everybody else planning. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some things, even though we're home, I'm still dealing with. With yeah, we're gonna get paid, bro. Yep. Nice. Hopefully, about fifty-two hundred dollars for our Air France woes. Yeah. Which, French. which, as it turns out, was uh, Kenya Airways issue. No, really. Yeah. Yeah. They. It was their plane that our flight from Paris to uh, Nairobi was, and I didn't realize it at the time because it had an Air France number. Right. Uh, but when I started researching how to get the refund and everything, and it's EU law, it's like EC 261, you're getting paid if they mess with you. And we we fit actually the highest level of reimbursement because we didn't get notified soon enough. Um, the distance to our destination was over 3,500 kil- kilometers. What else? Uh, we were delayed more than six hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one other thing, too, that kind of was the <laughs> icing on the cake. But, yeah, it's the highest level. And it's by law there, too. So so you actually get support with it. Dude, they, we cost them a ton of money. We had to have yeah, <laughs> hotel rooms for eight people, meals, two days. Two days, two nights in, in hotels. Yeah. Man. The gift little take care, the care package. The care package was easily a million dollars. <laughs> Uh, what a jip. I was just talking about that. So those were Red Cross bags Mm -hmm. stamped with Air France. And I, I don't like to dog too much on the Red Cross too publicly because like, yeah, give blood. That's, that's cool. But when you donate to the Red Cross, like 99 cents on the dollar goes to administration garbage. And they hand out to people stranded in airports, a packet that has like a, a, dollop like the smallest amount of toothpaste you can actually call still toothpaste versus like a toothpaste stain it's, like the, the, t- <laughs> it's the smallest tube of toothpaste i've ever seen in my life yeah it's it is it's hard to describe how small it is it's less than it's gotta be less than like a quarter of an ounce of toothpaste mm-hmm. it's just like basically it's less than the amount i usually put on my toothbrush yeah. but i probably put more than i need yeah. to and what else is in there um did you see the razor yeah, like a, a crappy razor. Yeah, so I opened it when I got home, and I was looking through it, and when I pulled the razor out of the bag, the handle broke. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, a white T-shirt, which I promptly put on. I stripped half naked in the airport and threw on a different shirt because yeah. there was a team morale booster there. Yeah, I, I wanted to, to just be funny, boost the morale of the team, and horrify the people behind the Air France desk, <laughs> and I think I accomplished both well. <laughs> um, yeah, the look on that lady's face, and I was like. Really, mm-hmm. a, a cr- I mean, it's and it's the least quality T-shirt I've ever seen. It's like paper thin, uncomfortable, and I, and it's like yeah. one size fits all. And I'm like, I'm putting this on now. And she looked at me like I was insane. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, I'm taking my shirt off in the airport right now. Yeah. This is happening. That was probably about <laughs> what one in the morning, yeah, two in the morning close. Saturday after standing in line for four, four hours. hours. Yeah. yeah. Four hours. Yeah. That's what I, I still don't understand how Air France couldn't just be like, hey, everybody needs a, a hotel room. Mm-hmm. Click. 
And well, I mean, the print job of a few hundred people is going to take you 30 minutes. Yeah. I was thinking like if this was whatever, Delta and Atlanta, same issue, you'd walk up there and they would do a couple key clicks and we'd even say, hey, we got a group of eight. We want to be in the same you know, hotel and right. eight, eight different rooms and they would just get it done. But <clears throat> they, all of the desk people for Air France are not enabled. They're not empowered to do anything. Right. So they had to get on the phone for every decision they had to make. And there was 300 plus people or about 300 on yeah. our flight. Oh, yeah. And then there was also a JFK flight that got canceled earlier and an L.A. flight. So they were just totally overwhelmed. Yeah, and incapable of figuring it out. Yeah. And so how many different uh, hotels were we in? Was it four? Yeah, I think the first, the very first night when it was just a scrambled mess, then they just gave us hotel rooms. It was about four different hotels. I think uh, you and I were individuals in hotels. At yeah. least the rest of the team, there was two or three people in the same hotel. Right. Yeah. So our our flight got canceled. I think it was like a 920 flight. Probably mm-hmm. got canceled around 830. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we got in line. And we got in line, yeah. And then I went to bed at three in the morning. Yeah. That's. <laughs> I think I actually got in my hotel a little after you because I, yeah. I had lobby issues because yeah. there was other people. There was like a whole family trying to get in. So, yeah, I... And then I couldn't figure out how to get the light on in the room <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then how to keep it on. It's the strangest thing. They make you put your key card in some some activation thing. Mm-hmm. So they, I guess it's so the light shuts off when you're not in the room because you don't have Because you're going to take your key with you. Yeah. So that was a bit of a learning curve. Right. I mean, it didn't take long, but at that point it seemed like, what am I going to do? Yeah. It sounds like Halifax was just about ready to murder somebody. <laughs> he was at his wits end and he couldn't get the lights on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, that the building I was in, the exterior was kind of rounded. It looked really pretty, right? Yeah. So it wasn't like a rectangular-shaped building. But because of that, like the bathroom wall had a steep angle in it. So when I was sitting on the toilet, I couldn't even have my – I couldn't put my knees out. It was hitting the wall. So I had to kind of sit sideways on the toilet. But it's just like all the weird things that happened that first night. Gosh, it was rough. And even like the, our communication because we couldn't all – you had a – did you have a SIM card? Not that Not I, I got it in the morning because right. we couldn't we couldn't talk to each other very well. Yeah, texting via Wi-Fi, <clears throat> and it was I think Jason and I had an issue with the group text, and I think that was a even an internet issue. There's something yeah. weird about it. There was there was a few things that weren't explainable. I was kind of prepared for hey, the people with Android phones couldn't do iMessage, so the the iPhones were better, right? Because we could get on Wi-Fi right. and it worked pretty good. But then even that, it wasn't. It still wasn't working like you thought it would. Right. Um, some messages were just sitting for a long period of time, and then they'd go. And so that was a lesson learned as a leader too. I mean, we never planned on being in France, right? In Paris for a couple nights. <laughs> so <clears throat> that's where we. Before we leave, we got to have WhatsApp because yep. WhatsApp solves all these problems. It's irrelevant of the phone number. Um, yep. And. Yeah, so then that morning, that's that's what I did. I kind of got the lay of the land. I, I thought there was a possibility, because we were in a complex of hotels. I thought maybe everybody was right there. But then we realized they have the same name for hotels, but it's not the same hotel. There were three Ibis. There's yeah. Ibis, Ibis Suites, Ibis uh, Villas, maybe another one. I don't remember. But there was an Ibis one that had the same name, but one had villas on the end, but yeah. it wasn't on the sign. Yeah. So we had no idea. And not the same building, yeah. like different locations. Right. So when I was trying to explain to the team, hey, you can just jump on this little train, get to the airport, which is the one you and I mm-hmm. took, 
they're like, that's not here. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> how can you not how see the giant see train? The train? Yeah. <laughs> it's the train yeah. looking thing. That was kind of one of my maybe panic moments as a leader. It's just like, how do you keep everybody together when you can barely communicate to them? So yeah, no joke. That was, but like the last, so the, the last things I got through that night, right before three o'clock, I, I was able to, well, between you and me and then Facebook and whatever, we figured out, you know, drop dead, last case scenario, 11 o'clock, yeah. right where we were. Yep, get back so, to the airport. <clears throat> and then after that, it was like, geez, I cannot get a hold of people. Mm-hmm. But so we got, we all got back together and we got another night in a hotel. Yeah. After waiting in line for four hours. It's the worst. That was the worst. At least there, you know, I took everybody's passports and talked to the customer service people and had to wait. So at least you guys didn't all have to wait in line with all the luggage. I didn't have to have my luggage because I could leave it with you guys. Right. And they didn't want to help me for the group at first, but after some discussion, they they helped out and then I got everybody in the same hotel as well. So Right. So, yep. Second night was was better there. I, I think it was a little bigger room too. Yeah. And there was... Um, nice restaurant we had a good meal yeah yeah that was better and then weirdly strangely we we caught a flight out the next morning mm-hmm. so we we were we were booked on flights on monday and then keith did magic of some some witchcraft <laughs> or something on sunday morning that was awesome so you just walk so you and josh went and we all hung back and if we didn't hear from you the, the plan was because we knew there was a flight yeah do we know there was a yeah there was a, a the same flight about um, what was it? 11:50 every morning, mm-hmm. Kenya Airways. Um, but I thought at that point, from just the conversations I had with the Air France people, that you know all those flights were full already, and then they had all these people they had to deal with. So we were we were in some kind of queue for um, standby. Right. Man, what I wanted to do, my goal was, is to take Josh so we could um, kind of move quick and and not have eight people walking through the airport. Right. Is get there and kind of confirm that we're not on that flight so then I could go back to the Air France people and get another yeah. hotel room for the night and so that we could actually have some of the day to maybe hang out or do something again in, in Paris, jump on the subway or whatever. Right. But in, in typical Kenyan style too, so we got there about 6 in the morning and the Kenyans didn't show up to the, <laughs> the help desk till 8.30 even though the Air France people thought they should have been there like 7.30, quarter to 8. Yeah. So then we're waiting again, and um, that's when I met the guys from Burundi because mm-hmm. they were supposed to be on the flight too, and we talked quite a bit about coffee and because <laughs> of course Kenya Airways, and <laughs> so they were fun. But um, when when the Kenya Airways guys showed up, there was two guys that showed up at the computer screens. The the one Burundi guy fired over right away. He says, "I'm going to figure this out," and he he starts talking to them, and he comes back right away, and he said, "They told me they can't help until their supervisor gets there." Right. I'm like, okay. So then I was just sitting there thinking, ah, I just can't sit here. I, I I don't really need them to do anything. I just want them to confirm we can't get on the on the flight. Right. That was my goal. So I could get in the other line to, to, right, get, to um, get another hotel. hotel. Yeah. So I go over there and talk to him. And the first thing the guy says, I can't help you because my supervisor's not here. And I said, okay, I understand that. But I, I don't need you to help me. Just can you tell me if I'm on the flight or not? Or, or tell me where we are in the queue, I, I think is what I asked him. And he's like, uh, yeah, okay. So I, I didn't give him a, a passport or anything. And I had everybody's passports yeah, everybody's too, which I'm sure was creepy for you guys. I checked over and over again. I was like, because I, I just do this constant while I'm walking around. I'll just double check up. Oh, there's my passport. And more than once I was like, uh, oh, yeah, he's got it. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> so I give the guy the boarding pass from the day before and he scans it. And he's like, nope. 
here you go, here's your boarding pass, you're on the flight today. And I was like, what? I was just astonished. So then I said, can you give me the other seven? And he just printed them out and gave them to me. So I had no passport that I showed him. Um, he just gave me eight boarding passes for the flight that morning. And then I was kind of in shock because I didn't know what to do. Yeah. That's when I messaged you right away. I was like, you got to get here. I have boarding passes, get here now. And like, we're in line for the the shuttle. And I was, I'm like on the edge of Wi-Fi and not, and I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, coming. And I'm like, I don't yeah. know if that went through. We got yeah. on the bus. What's cool about, um, so the, the Paris airport, I like a lot. Yeah, it's beautiful. <clears throat> so we get to the train station and I'm on, I'm on the airport Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. I get on the train, the train is zipping through and I can see like the bars go from like three to two to <laughs> one to three. So like, we're just going past routers, but mm-hmm. I had solid Wi-Fi on that train. So I was able to be like, That's yeah, cool. we're almost here. Yeah. Yeah. It was fantastic. Pretty good Wi-Fi. It, it always kicked me off. That was annoying. Like every time you, if your phone went to sleep or you yeah, like right. just yeah, went away so. from an app, it would kick you off. Yeah. I think that's something that they do to try and meter how many people are on it. Yeah, but maybe. yeah, then we got there, we got on the flight that had no air conditioning. Yes, that was a very hot flight. And we made oh, it. Oh, sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Yeah. My underwear was soaking wet. I was sweating so much. My socks are <laughs> Sarge in Halifax looks at me and he's I sorry, I was calling him Sarge. Sarge looks at me and he's like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> just just I'm a sweater. That just, airport was hot too. I mean there, yeah, was, there was yeah those lines were hot. There was there was nothing comfortable about it, but Oh, it was, it was a thousand degrees. So I I did type up like all of our travel woes. So I'm scrolling in a Holy cow. No, it's, it's, it, it turned out to be about two pages of of printed. Yeah. Because it didn't stop. No. It never did stop. Even after we got home, it didn't stop. Yeah. It, the, the kicker was four of our bags Lugs, never made it back. Yeah, so. <laughs> Which, how does that happen? I don't know. I don't know. They, I don't think they ever made it out of Nairobi, four bags. So. That could be. I mean, that's, it's the only real explanation because, I mean, they were all checked in together and our connections were never that tight. No, we always had at least two hours for each one. And we had plenty of time in the airport in Nairobi, too. Mm-hmm. That's just weird. That, something it's weird happened. Weird. So when I was looking up how to make the claim, um, mm-hmm. the insurance claim with the... It's not even an insurance claim. It's like a legal claim. Right. You're actually suing them, which is kind of interesting. But um, I, I was looking up... They, they The EU had in there like statistics on uh, flight time and things like that. And Kenya Airlines is really, really pretty bad. Uh, really? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Stunned. Yeah, so <laughs> their numbers were like over 50% of all their flights are 15 minutes or less late. Okay. And then over 15 minutes late, 30% of Ooh. them are. And and then in general, 75% of their flights are not on time. Jeez. <laughs> so we have actually talked about, I was just chatting with Joanne yesterday. There is this direct flight mm-hmm. from New York. Might be worth it, especially after this. Maybe, but it's Kenya Airways. <laughs> right? It's like, gosh, it'd be awesome. But like we can pretty, pretty reliably get from Des Moines to New York. It's just like now you are held captive by Kenya Airways. Yeah. yeah. And that can suck. Especially after seeing those statistics. They are, yeah. They're just not very good at being on time. But if something got screwed up... <clears throat> 
I mean, it's it. It doesn't really matter too much if they're thirty minutes late or whatever, because yeah. our, our destination yeah, is Nairobi. Yeah. So you who know, cares? connections. I suppose then we'd be stuck in New York instead of Paris, and which would be way better. Yeah, and could be. Well, yeah, move around a lot easier. But the the other thing is that um, there's so many more options out of LaGuardia. Yeah, you know, so if Delta was going to reroute us or something, that's so, true. There could be other flights. Yeah, yeah, they could send us on something that connects somewhere as well. So. So then we get to Nairobi, kind of chill a little bit that evening, um, just cause, yeah. you know, just to try and reorient. And the next day we begin our journey to Kakama, yeah, which wasn't, which started out pretty nice. Yeah, but did you know our flights from Nairobi to Lodwar were changed too? Oh, that's right. Was, I forgot about no, every, that. Every step of the way yeah. was a problem. Yeah, so. It wasn't anything that really affected us too much other than it was a half hour earlier. So we, um, we've wound up flying Safari Link, but we were on the other planes. And that was all a result of us being late. Shara right. had to redo flights, and yeah, they stuck us on a different, different set of flights. So. Well, and I, <clears throat> I think they canceled the flight that we were on because there wasn't, it just wasn't booked enough. Yeah. And they, they knew that they were able to slide us over. So it ended up getting us there like a half an hour earlier or something Yeah, like we that. were there a little earlier. Yeah. Um, it was still, it was the flight. Did we fly direct on the way up? We did. Yeah. No, and on the no way, Eldoret. Yeah, on the way back we had to stop. Yeah, that's why. That was the change. I think we got on the, the direct flights. So. Yeah. So we were there earlier, but then uh, the next set of travel issues start immediately. Yes, we did not have enough vehicles. Yeah. And that, that comes down to um, there's been some uh, polio outbreak yeah. in all of Africa. And um, I think the uh, World Health Organization is was contracting all of the land cruisers in all of the countries to yeah. send out uh, medical teams to do some immunization. So instead of having nice land cruisers with air conditioning, we were basically in a beat-up SUV and a pickup. It was a nice pickup, though. It was an interesting pickup. And like a people mover. What was that other thing? I don't even know what that is. It, it looked almost like a ghetto troop transport. The the one I rode up in? Yeah. Yeah, so that was just a Toyota pickup that they had put seats in the back and a roll cage around. <laughs> That's so insane. But that, that was the difference, right? So then we had to negotiate because they only sent two vehicles and there wasn't enough seats, so then we added the third vehicle. Right. And there would have been enough seats if there was a luggage rack on any of right. the vehicles. So that was that <clears throat> sort of that Kenyan communication where uh, our our American but Kenya side leader, Shara, she she requested these two vehicles with this many seats, and they were like, sweet, we can do that, but yeah. no luggage rack, so yeah. luggage ends up in seats, and mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, now we don't have room for us. And then it was, you know, well, you have to pay this much more, but, you know, not, because if you had luggage racks, this wouldn't be a problem. So yeah. then Shara did just a, an awesome job of, of uh, negotiating or problem solving or whatever. So we get on the road and uh, three vehicles, and the road to Kakuma is so much better. Yeah, it's actually probably what ninety percent, yeah, eighty percent, eighty-five percent paved now. Oh, I don't think it's that paved. I think it's, I think it's probably sixty percent paved, okay. fifty to sixty. But the the spaces in between yeah, are graded. graded gravel. Yeah, yeah. The Chinese are working on the road, and they actually have barricades up and signs, and it's it's yeah really quite a bit safer too because of all that. Yeah, well, they've ripped out all of the old. Um, they call it tarmac; it's just asphalt. But yeah. they've they've ripped all all of that, yeah. so you're not like bumping yeah. and jostling. It's just like any any gravel road in rural America. Mm-hmm. 
So we're, we're tuning along at about 50 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, was our probably average speed. How fast did we do it this year? It was two hours, 15 minutes, as opposed to the first year, it was almost four hours. Yeah. So it was significantly better. So much better. Yeah. So much better. All the way until it got so much worse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we actually made it to Kakama. Yeah. <laughs> I think we were, we were inside uh, the city limits or town limits or yeah. village limits. Yeah. And so there's, because they're working on areas and some areas are complete, there was a lot of, we were on the road and then we'd kind of go down like off to the shoulder. At a, and the, the road's elevated pretty high. The, About eight feet is my yeah, guess. Yeah, they built it up pretty high, right. probably because of water. And they yeah. put culverts in and washouts. And so, yep. yeah, so it was right in town and um, we came down off the road and I was in the second vehicle. So the third vehicle was behind us. And that's when we heard the, the crash. What did you hear? Describe it from your vantage point. <clears throat> so I, the, there was a soft top on the vehicle I was in with like a really dingy, dirty window. And I really couldn't see. I couldn't see forward because the cab of the pickup was in front of me. And I could see out the sides and then barely out the back. And it was what we heard first. And it, it really just sounded like like a fender bender accident type thing. It was like, a, you know, a bit of a slam and maybe some glass breaking noise. But at that point in time, because I was in that vehicle that I couldn't see, I really didn't know where everybody was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what order we were in vehicles just because that's how it worked out. And so then Josh said, that's us. And I was like, whoa. And then everybody jumped out of the pickup. And and, and that's when I saw, you know, the topper for the, the pickup you guys were in on the ground. And the, the, the crowd started gathering. Yeah, I saw Ann's arm and everything. And... But then, you know, we walked up and we got it. I helped Ann out and <laughs> Deb just got out on her own. Yeah. And, um, and then I saw you and I didn't even know you were in the vehicle. <laughs> yeah. I, did. I, I was remarkably unscathed. Um, so from my perspective, I was sitting in the in the center. And, and <clears throat> if anybody's wondering why, why we downplayed this on the Internet, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, too. But here's here's what happened. Where the the third vehicle, I can see you guys in front. Your vehicle just kind of stands out. I mean, it looks weird. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of. Uh, I slept early. The first thing I did off the plane in the vehicle is just close my eyes and nap for a bit. Now I'm awake. Uh, everybody else but the driver is asleep, and I got my headphones on, sunglasses on, um, and I'm just listening to a podcast and I'm driving. And I'm thinking, and so I'm like well aware of everything. I'm, I was even looking at. Um, I know we were doing about 50 miles an hour. I mean, we're, we're right around that 80 kilometer an hour mark. And I'd felt like once or twice, you know, when, when the driver would turn a little bit, you know, to kind of avoid something in the road, like a little wash washboard area, the back end would get a little jiggly. Yeah. But I mean, that that's what I drive like. Yeah. So I was, I wasn't nervous too much about it, but as we're driving all of a sudden <clears throat> your vehicle in front I mean, on that, all of a sudden, it just, it turns down that embankment. Yeah, so it embankment. dumps down to the left because they're driving on the other side of the road than we're used to. Dumps down to the left to go around these barricades that are there. But you couldn't see the barricades mm-hmm. or that the road was was closed off because of your vehicle. So our guy was probably closer than he should have been, but not like so close. If, if you guys would have slammed on your brakes, we could slam on our brakes sure. and it had been fine. But our guy just didn't didn't react well or in time. So he turns hard left and the back end slides out. And I immediately, so nobody in the back seat has seatbelts on. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a seatbelt on. I immediately stuffed my hands onto the ceiling 
and I just, I'm, we're going to roll. This is, we're going over. This is going to happen. So it, it swung out to the right. And then I saw the driver just crank the wheel back to go back to the right. And the back end swung out left. I mean, he just way, way overcorrected. Yeah, classic oversteer. Yeah. And he, that back end just whipped back around to the left and caught. And we just went whoop and did a full roll. Mm-hmm. And it was like, so I, everything slows down. And again, since I had my hands up and under vehicle, our truck had a roll cage, yeah. you know, welded into it. I just did a cartwheel mm-hmm. and I, I was the only thing I had a little bit of glass in my mouth. Cause I was probably, well, so as, as we're rolling over, I hear, um, one expletive <laughs> from somewhere and I hear Ann, Ann Downs going, owie, ouch, owie, ow, ow, owie, ouch, ouch. It hurts. Um, and I can see her. She's she's kind of like stuffed against the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So now we're upside down. Yeah. But like not on her head. Like her head's kind of kinked forward. And she just kind of mushed. And uh, I can see Scotch is like pinned up kind of in the corner of the cab with his arms out and his his legs, his foot's kind of like on my thigh. I'm, I'm like pressing like just, you know, all four corners as much as I can. Yeah. I'm just doing a cartwheel. Yeah. Wee. Um, and I just remember thinking it got really dark when we were upside down for that split second. And I just prayed, please do not let us stop here or on our side. Yeah. Cause that's gonna, it's gonna suck trying to, you know, get on our, on our bellies and crawl out a window or something and over glass yeah, yep. and we're going to all cut up or on our side, we're all going to be piled on. And, mm-hmm. and I was even like, I had this thought where like, it's crazy how many thoughts you can have. Yeah, on that few seconds. In, in like in, not even few, <laughs> like a tenth of a second. I'm thinking, all right, I'll try and wedge my body so that, that Scotch, Peter Scotch, can stand on me if we're on our side mm-hmm. to get out the window. Yeah. And then how are we going to, like, I'm going to have to, like, get down and try and pull in up. Just all of these thoughts going through. But then we ended up back on all four tires. And I was like, huh. Yeah. And then Deb woke up. <laughs> and then Deb woke up. <laughs> first thought was, I can't believe that didn't hurt. <laughs> she was, she had her seatbelt yeah, on. Yeah, she had a seatbelt on. And, um, and uh, so like immediately my first, first thing I did was just do a, a body check, right? I, I just kind of jiggled around. So like my legs work, my arm work. And I, I looked for, for blood. I was like, am I leaking anything? I'm not leaking anything. Okay. And then I look and I, and I see scotches panically like piling out of the car. <laughs> I actually fast. think when he, he cut his fingers mm-hmm. in this, but I think he cut them when he was getting out. Or I know he did. To, yeah. I, so I watched it. He pushed the window out. Yeah. So he, he kind of, so the window was all shattered, mm-hmm. but it wasn't it was in place. out. Yeah. yeah. So he kind of like left hand grabbed the door handle, right hand pushed and the, yeah. the window came out and that's when he cut his hand. Yeah. And I saw blood mm-hmm. and I went, right, I'm going to check on him. And the ladies are still sitting there and, and Anne's, you know, not screaming anymore. And, and Debbie's like, what happened? Oh, my God. And I, I, everybody just, I go, ladies, don't move. Ladies, yeah. don't move. Just stay put. And I hopped out and Scott just standing there. And I, I just walked around him and I went, all right, he's leaking, but he's not, not bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I could see the blood is coming off of his hand. Yeah. Not like from his elbow down. Yep. yep. So it's, he's got a cut hand. Um Tiny little cuts on his head, yep. and those weren't even bleeding bad. Circle back around, and now the ladies are getting out, completely mm-hmm. ignoring everything I said. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, awesome." Well, and I, I really wanted, I wanted to get Anne out because she was—you could tell she was shook up. But yeah, I mean, 
I was looking at her eyes. She didn't seem like she hit her head. She wasn't bleeding. But we just needed to get away from the car because the crowd's gathering. Yeah. Well, and I didn't see that it was you. I'm happy that you got her out. I didn't want her to get out to the crowd. Yeah. And I, I wanted to circle circle around and check because again in Kenya people just like oh you're hurt you know, push you in a thing and drive you to yeah, a hospital yeah. like what if you got a broken neck yeah like which that's... is exactly what happened to Scott some guy just picked him up and <laughs> so crazy he didn't tell us that he was leaving he just got in this vehicle yeah. with some guy and went to the hospital so I'm I'm bouncing I you know scotches I did just like a, a basic walk around like he's alive and and, and leaking a little bit. But now I want to check on Anne. Oh, they're getting out crap. So I grab my stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and in that short moment, somebody stole my headphones yep. because yeah. and poverty. We were, and we were all standing right there, too. Yeah. Poverty and opportunity equals people steal your stuff yeah. and you're in a rollover. So um, I grab my stuff, walk around. Um, Deb's fine. I kind of check on her because mm-hmm. you guys are around Anne. Yeah. Kind of look at Anne a little bit. She seems like emotionally, which I understand. She was asleep. Yeah. So she woke up to come on. Yeah, no, she was shook up. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, "All right." I, I, I said, "I got Mazungus on Anne. Deb seems okay." So then I circled back to Scotch, and that's when he had gone and kind of plopped down. Yeah. He was in. He was in shock. <clears throat> yeah, he, he was. Again, he was out cold. You know how he sleeps. Yeah, like, he was unconscious. <laughs> Kaboom! Now he's bleeding. So I, he's sitting down. I, I double, double check. I'm like, you know, let's get Lori over here. Yep. And she wasn't back yet. They were in the lead vehicle. Yep. I yep. said, Lori, will get here and, and she'll check on you. Okay, just stay put. Put some pressure on that. So I'm like kind of doing that triage. Turn back around. You guys are sitting Anne down. So I go over to kind of do triage on Anne and then look at Deb again. And then I look back to Scotch and he's gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wait. No, that wasn't the plan. <laughs> Sit, stay, everybody, stay put. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> it was it was a little chaotic that yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah. Some stranger just stopped, grabbed him, and took him to the hospital. Yep. So that was good. And then uh, we all, you know, kind of evaluated. Um, Anne had some bumps and bruises. Yep. Scotch had uh, his two fingers cut, mm-hmm. and. I mean, they didn't even bandage the the bumps on his head. No, no, they didn't. I mean, that'd be like if you bonked your head going into, you know, ducking under something. Yeah, it looked like a little bit of a scrape or something. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and we were fine. Yeah. yeah. Three, three of us, no seatbelts, rollover accident. Uh, yeah. So, so we didn't tell that story on Facebook. <laughs> no, it's probably a good thing. Yeah. My my thought on that is is just to say, um, if you post something like that, it becomes the story of the trip, yeah, and it devalues how much how much work we do in the refugee camp, mm-hmm. and um, so it's it's not a secret. I, I mean, it's I don't care who knows about it. But then while we are there, we want to do this work. We, you know, we yeah. stay connected with people. We want people to to concentrate on the plight of the refugees, the faith that is there, the the explosion of the church that's happening, all of the amazing things that are going on. And if you post that, it just becomes like, is everybody okay from, yeah. did you check on this? And, and how is this? Or even if it becomes, I mean, that's it was a miraculous thing. Yeah. It's miraculous yeah. nobody died in that accident. Yeah, we were, we were actually protected the whole way. And for sure, the evil one did not want us to be there, but we right. got there anyway, so. right. I think one of the best reactions, too, was, you know, that by the time the car accident happened, we were already just beat down and um, 
we had gone through so much as a team and but nobody was discouraged even at that point and our plan that day was to at least visit with some of the leaders in the camps mm-hmm. Tuesday afternoon and then start the first full day on Wednesday and because we had to make a little trip to the hospital and get everybody checked out we decided we're just gonna stay at the guest house for the night and Ann said are you sure we can't go yeah <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, no, no one was discouraged even at that point. And I, I pushed a little bit. I was like, I think that's empty. Or out of the good stuff. I'm switching back to my caribou garbage. What are you gonna do? So, because um, I felt that I felt like Anne. Anne was the most banged up, and yep. again, bumps and bruises. Yeah. You know, she had a a, a, sh- a sore shoulder. Um, because like she was kind of mushed upside down on the roll bar, the roll bar just yeah. kind of whacked her in the in the shoulder. She had like a rug looked like a rug burn on her elbow. Yeah, yeah, it didn't even bleed. And you know what that was? That was gravel. Yeah, from when she we were on our side. Yeah, and her arm was not under the truck as it well easily could have been. Yep. Dude, <laughs> dude, it was amazing. Yeah, Halifax was like you know. Even that nobody was ejected out of the vehicles, mm-hmm. pretty crazy. That that happens all the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, how, how many rollovers do you walk up on where there's there's five people, two seatbelts being yeah. worn, minimal, minimal injuries? Yeah. I don't know. I still feel Ooh. that's like another lesson learned is we just, that whole vehicle situation, we should have. Uh, I suppose there was nothing we could do, but I'm thinking those land cruisers are much safer than what we rode in. But yeah, it wasn't yeah. going to happen that trip, I guess. So no, and and I I, mean, I told Shara, she's like, we're everybody's going to have seatbelts on the way back, and I was just like, I mean, if, if you're setting this as a policy for the rest of all of the groups that are coming, yeah, I don't think you can pull that off. Yeah, I think it'd be tough because even the vehicles that came to take us back. Uh, the owner of the the driving company, yeah. he, he came and he brought his vehicle. It had seatbelts, but they kind of didn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and that's just really a thing there. I mean, yeah. it's just not important to them and they don't maintain things the same way we do here. So it would be hard to make that a requirement. It really is. Um, and it's, you know, it's a, it's an unfortunate calculus. Like you don't, you don't want to just like run the the numbers, but when you run the numbers, you know, Shara has been doing this like 10 years. Mm-hmm. This is the first serious accident yeah. that she's ever, I mean, I've gone 15 to 20 times. This is the first serious accident that I've, have anybody been with or, or had myself. Um, you've been in one other fender bender. Yeah. Nairobi. Yeah. Super not dangerous. Yeah. I'm just a clunk. Low speed. Um, <clears throat> so yeah. Yeah. That's, that was the, like I said, kind of pushed on Shara a little bit, but but I feel like she was shook too because yeah, she, she was. at the site, you know, there was a moment of vapor lock mm-hmm. and she said later, like, you know, I just was thinking, what if I would have had to make a phone call to mm-hmm. one of your spouses? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that is sucked. Yeah. I mean, that in that moment too, you know, you're wondering, is anybody hurt? Then we're going to some Kenyan hospital. Oy, oy, oy. And what does that mean? What does that do? It was... You know, what if what if somebody's passport got stolen too? You know, I mean, yeah. there, there's just so many, so many worse things that could have happened that just didn't. And that was its own its own blessed moment. So um, the only other thing we lost was so again, it's just like um, I was I wasn't surprised, but I just felt so insulted that somebody stole my yeah. headphones. Yeah. Like, dude, I was just in a rollover accident. Yeah. 
but I, I get it. I, I'm not surprised. I, it's a thing. They can't help me, mm-hmm. you know, whether they take my headphones or not. Yeah. If I'm injured or not, doesn't change. Those are headphones. I can maybe sell them and get some money, whatever. Um, somebody reached into Deb's bag and just grabbed a handful of stuff. Mm-hmm. And in that was a scarf and her money belt. Yep, her money belt. Which she had just taken everything out of. Yep, she didn't want to wear it on the trip because she didn't, on the ride, because she didn't want to be hot. So she moved her passport and her money into her purse that was around her neck when she got out of the vehicle. Yep. And and, and money, whatever, but man, if her passport was in there. Yeah. Like we have photocopies and stuff. Yeah. It's a hassle though. Oh, it's a you, huge. you would spend the rest of the trip figuring out how to get home then is what would happen. And probably have to go back to Nairobi. Yeah, we'd have to go back to Nairobi. I mean, at least Deb, and I wouldn't send Deb by herself. Mm-hmm. Hey. Because what do you have to go to the, the embassy or You'd something? You'd have to go to the embassy. Yeah. You'd have to deal with all that. Uh, would if, issue you some kind of temporary papers. And then getting on an airplane with that stuff that they, they probably have only seen a handful of times ever. Yeah. Dude, that would have been a wreck. Yeah. No, the whole, again, the whole trip was like this. Yeah. We still haven't gotten to the camps yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ready to start mission trip. <laughs> but it was, it was, you know, I, I described it later. I don't know if it was later that night or, or the next day or whenever it was. It's like, you know, <clears throat> I, I don't think that this happened, but it, it felt similar to the story of Job. So I don't I don't think like Satan was hanging out with, with Jesus somewhere having a conversation about this <laughs> team from from Living Faith. But we do know that once upon a time, Satan is in the counsel of God and he says, Job is only only faithful because you let him have it so easy. Mm-hmm. And God was like, All right, you can you can do this but not that. You can do this, but not that. Mm-hmm. And it felt like that's that's what was happening was Satan was like, yeah, living faith only does this because they have it so easy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's just a vacation for them. Yeah. Just pay the money and go. And yeah, you, can, you can have them roll over, but nobody gets seriously injured. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, I think. <laughs> Every step along the way, it was like that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, pretty bonkers. And then we actually, we actually got to do work in the church. Mm-hmm. In in the refugee camp, what was that like? I don't remember. No. <laughs> no, uh, so again, that was kind of interesting for me too. Uh, leading the trip, uh, the very first thing is because our schedule changed. We had to meet with John Jock, Farah, Pastor Mutai, and kind of replan the week. Yeah, and so I got a little taste of like how Africans negotiate. Yeah, which is very interesting. So Shar and I met with those leaders right away. Wednesday about noon when we finally got to the camp. And, yeah. um, and those guys, they all had, like, for their church, they w- had 10 things they wanted to do that day that each one would probably take a full day anyways. Yeah. And then there was multiple of them. So, and that's when I think uh, I was most impressed with Shara, how she just knows how they communicate, how they negotiate, and just kind of talked them down off all that. And then... From there, we set up a plan. And she punches through it with such clarity and efficiency. Yeah, it's pretty quick, too. Yeah. <laughs> so then all I had to do was say, yep, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Mizugu confirms. <laughs> yeah, so really the plan then was um, we did door-to-door early Wednesday, and that was Kakama 2. And that was a new church building. It wasn't a new church, but it was a new building from yeah. the last time we were there. Um, and then on the way out, we stopped at... Uh, Kakama 3, and I can't remember the other one. Oh, the second church in Kakama 2. 
we just we visited them on the way out. So we we weren't able to do any kind of meeting with men and women in the afternoon. We just right. did some door to door and then just at least visited the other two churches. Yeah. We did Forest Church and John Jock's church. Yeah, which is yeah. also Kakama Two. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so we were at both Kakama Two churches and then one Kakama Three church. Mm-hmm. And um and again, they, they, they sang us in. They welcomed us with singing. They uh, played music for us and sang. And we almost got to see a cop cry. We were so close. <laughs> it, it almost happened. <laughs> I don't know why I find that so funny, but like he, he forced that down in, into a, a tight little knot yeah. and held it together, but he was on the edge. Yeah. Yeah, last year when, when – Luke, you started mm-hmm. uh, to stand up and speak. They all started singing and, and greeting you. And, and now this year, they did it for all of us as all we introduced us. ourselves. And uh, I think the pictures you took tell the story. I mean, it was like the biggest smiles on everybody, but you just you don't know where to go with it. Yeah. The emotions overrun you. and They have 75 people or so just burst into song. Because you stood up and said, hi, yeah. my name is Luke. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing feeling. <laughs> it's so cool. It is so cool. What an awesome church. Yeah, so we <clears throat> did, just did not have enough time in those places. No, it was Because the trip was so so truncated with all of the drama. But then then what was cool, yeah, so so John Jock's church, uh, is that three? Uh, Kelly, or not, uh, Kakama? He's in two. He's in two. But he's in the older one in two. Correct. Okay. So that church uh, collapsed. The roof Mm -hmm. fell in last year. They have a new church building. Now, that was a huge need. Um, New building in that that other church in Kakama. But then the next day, we did we do Kelly Bay the next day? Yeah, we went out to Kelly Bay. So the full day Thursday was in Kelly Bay. Yeah. And that's a whole new section. Well, new. Uh, when When did Kelly Bay start? Three years ago, I yeah. think. It was, I think when we were there the first time was the three years ago was when they were just starting to bring people out there because that's when we had met people that were in South Sudan a month beforehand, right? Which was probably the closest between being in their homeland and the, the camp that we yeah, were at. yeah. Three. I was I was going to guess five, but either way, it's it's not yeah. like the older parts of of Kakama go back to the nineties, ninety two. Yeah. Um. So this is relatively new and. Uh, everybody kind of said over and over again, well, this is not what I expected. This yeah. this just looks different. Um, it's bigger. Um, there's more space. Yeah. It's spread out. You can see you can see everywhere there, right? You're, you can see Uganda. Yeah, your vision is not blocked. <laughs> and that is true. You can see Uganda. Yeah. From yes. <laughs> not even a joke. And that's actually, if you look at the map, when you're up at Kalia Bay, that's like the closest Uganda gets to yeah. Kenya. So I think we're about 11 miles there, to <laughs> yeah. the mountain range. And you can see it. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, a large part of that was uh, a relocation of refugees. And I always forget the name of the Dab. The Dab. So Dadab was uh, northeast Kenya mm-hmm. and right by the Somali border. Really had a lot of problems with Somalis. Yeah. It yeah. was, um, yeah. It, it sounds so politically incorrect for us to be like, you know, the Somalian people are, are bad people. Yeah. It's not what I mean. Yeah. But all of the trouble they had were Somalians and they were like, Bad trouble, like mm-hmm. steal children, yeah. rape women, kill men. Yeah, no, it was bad. Yeah, you know, and now I'm thinking about it too. It's closer to four years with Calio Bay mm-hmm. because when we talk to people, they all say they got there about 2015. That's how long they've been in the camp. But then you ask them, well, how long have you been a refugee? And then they say, well, 17 years because right. they were in Dadaab and then they got relocated to Calio Bay. So, yeah. Ooh. 
That was a that was a very consistent story that Thursday. Yeah, over and over. Yeah, and then and that church is um, just thriving. It seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, there are, there's the Pari Church, and what, does the other one have a name? The uh, yeah, the one we were at the yeah. during the day. Yes, it does. And what do they call it? I think it's just Gets, Gethsemane. I think Gethsemane is uh, oh, John Jock's church. John Jock's Yeah. Okay. I, I don't remember now. <laughs> so many, so much data that yeah. goes in your head. It's hard to keep it all straight. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it too is, is, you know, English is their second language when they talk to you and you just don't hear things as clearly mm-hmm. and you're not going to ask them to repeat everything. So a lot of times you miss names and right. or they say I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from our perspective, like Malike. Yeah, Malike. Malike. My name is Malike. We're talking for a while, Malike. Ah, Malachi. Malachi. Yeah. I got, I got you. I know who you are. I think that's why Kakuma is the the correct way for us to say it, but they say Kakuma. Yeah, Kakuma. And it's because of how they pronounce things. How their face works. Yeah. Like there's, they just they just form words differently with their face that I I often can't. Yeah. Like Mizungu, the awesome shirt I'm wearing. It's M Z. Yeah. There should be a vowel there, <laughs> but like our, our, they just go consonants together, and it's yeah. really hard for our faces to do that. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Yeah. But uh, the one church in Calio Bay is um, is it primarily Ethiopian? I think they um, the the one we were in where we we that was our home base for the day. Yeah, that's primary primarily Ethiopian. But when Okach started that Pari Lutheran Church, it's kind of a mix because yeah. there is a shared language with some of the Sudanese and the Ethiopians. Arabic, I think. Yeah, I I think isn't it Pari? Oh, um no, yeah, you're right. Um and also Kenya has a language that's close to that too. Yeah. I, and I don't know the details, but but that's why that church is significantly different. It's not just one nationality, yeah. and it's kind of surprising. Yeah. And but we never did. I didn't get over to Pari. I I, I don't know. I think one of the groups yep. when we went door to door did. Okay. Yeah. One yeah. of the groups went over to Pari. Um, yeah. We we stayed on the other side, which was cool for me because uh, I had never been to that part of Calio Bay that we walked to. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Um, and there's a lot of Sudanese over there. Mm-hmm. That surprised me. Or South Sudanese. South Sudanese. South Sudanese. Um, inviting them to come to the church, to the group time. And some of them some of them did, but it was, again, language barrier. Yeah. So over and over again, you keep bumping into this, all of these people. And there's, I mean, there's dozens of languages. Mm-hmm. And they're all just stuffed in one place. Yeah. It's so, so challenging. So that... That church in Calio Bay has planted another church and in Kakama One mm-hmm. and Fort Jesus. Fort Jesus, which I am <laughs> scheduling the congregational meeting to change Living Faith's name to Fort Jesus because that is awesome. It was the best name ever. <laughs> so cool. And where they where they meet looked like a fort. It did. <laughs> it was cool. It was like the the unchurch with the unwalls. Yeah. So they they don't have a church building. It's under a an, it's an old part of the camp. So I it's think got it's a, one of the oldest parts. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's right along the river, mm-hmm. which um, seems like a terrible idea. Yeah. In, in when it rains a lot, because it doesn't rain there very much. Yeah. But if they got a ton of rain like they did back in was that, about a year ago, not quite a year ago. No, it wasn't even that long ago. Now I think about it's it, it's like March, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. earlier this year. They had some road washouts. When things flood, mm-hmm. Ooh. right. When there's flooding and your house is made out of dirt, mm-hmm. that would make me nervous. Yeah. <laughs> so they, um, yeah, they, all of the walls 
around it are, are the walls of the houses that kind of butt up against each other. And there's this cool little courtyard. Yep. And that's the brand new church. And they have, I mean, I, there's the women who joined us. And um, then we went around door to door. Almost everybody that we met were members of that church. Yeah, members of that church. Or there was a Catholic church right, mm-hmm. right in the area too. So, yeah. So I'm guessing they Brand new church started since last year, probably over 80 members. Yeah, easily. I mean, just all the kids that were singing, too. Ah, it was about that. 20-some kids that sang yeah. for us. Yeah, I was, I was talking to um, Bravo, mm-hmm. which is the best name, awesome for name for a dude. Yeah. <laughs> dude named Bravo. So we were walking around, and I was like, we're Bravo Company. Um, I was kind of chit-chatting with him about baptisms, because I was talking to that one youth. She was probably 20, mm-hmm. something like that. 23, yeah. Um, she was was not baptized yet, mm-hmm. and I said, "Well, you know, some people thought we should we should go ahead and baptize, but it's it's uh, kind of important for that to be a thing of their church. Yeah, you don't want to have the white knight savior, yep. Jesus guy coming in and doing all this stuff." I said, "When will the baptisms happen?" He said, "Probably by January." Yeah. Well, how many do you think? Eighty. Yeah. Hundred. Hundred and twenty. Yeah. I know. It was, I, I was shocked by that, too. And then what I found interesting, too, is they just won't baptize an adult on the spot unless it's an emergency. Yeah. They do want to do some instruction. Seems like a good idea. It does, yeah. And then I think one of their—I'm sure one of their concerns, too, is if they just baptize somebody without at least starting the relationship with them, right? they might be gone. So that's where— for me, it wasn't as much as the instruction as the the cultural, you're now going to be part of our group thing, and they want to build that relationship before they baptize. So. And be part of this church. Yeah, because like here you'd think, just get them baptized, get it, you know, take care of it type thing, but it's it's cultural there. Yeah, yeah. and and follow up. You know, they're, yeah. they don't have a pastor in that church. So um, Okach is in seminary, and I think he's second-year seminary. Mm-hmm. Farah is uh, on his internship, internship, we call it Vicarage. Yeah. Um, James was probably going to go, but James was killed. So that that's a, uh, sad for his family, but also yeah. sad for the kingdom. Um, but they, they, you know, probably Bravo, I think, would maybe yeah. get identified as nice. somebody who could go. And they, the leaders of this, the, these two churches in Calio Bay, uh, the leaders of Calio Bay who planted this church— their their highest level of training is the small catechism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. That's why they had so many questions. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but but here here was the thing that I noted. So when um, Thursday afternoon when we met with the men, that was such a different group than previous years. Oh yeah. There's these these young men are now standing up and they're being leaders, but in the same breath they're asking who are the leaders. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and it was almost like we had to tell them, it's you. Mm-hmm. But um, it was it was stunning. Um, I, I think last year kind of the theme was a lot of who is my neighbor. Yeah. And, and this year it was who's the leader, who does the work. And they didn't realize they were the ones doing the work. Um, and they their concerns were just, to me, I thought they were just parallel with here. I mean, it's, it's a lot tougher living there, but they were worried about how do I split – working and making money with doing the church work. How do I, how do I make time for my family and do this work? And I was just sitting there thinking, yeah, it's kind of the same things we have to battle here. Yeah. It's a lot tougher for them, but. Yeah. And 
in Farah who's like, you know, I'm studying to be a pastor and they don't get paid a lot. And I get this, you know, stress from my family and I want to give my children better things, but I want to serve the Lord. And I was like, yeah, you're struggling with becoming a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> Every pastor ever yeah. I, struggled I, with this. <laughs> I thought that was great, too, because Farah has gone through those first steps, mm-hmm. right? And probably more than the first steps to being a pastor. And so he could share with those guys, but they never had the opportunity other than in that group that, you know, we were with them for him to share that. And um, I thought that was great too. It was just, there's a, just so much value to getting together, sitting and talking and yeah. having, you know, no topic be undiscussable, right? We just right. talked about everything with them. So. And that's, it's, it's such a weird thing when people ask, what do you do on these trips? And it's like, you know, we, I don't know, we don't do things, we don't dig wells, we don't yeah. build buildings, we don't hand out cash. But the and it's it's I don't want to take any credit for for there's a new church in in, in uh, Kakamo one, but it's it's when when the Mazungu come, yeah. it's a big deal just because of their culture of yeah. hospitality. Yeah. These people have come from a great distance, so we're going to get together, and now they're hearing about well, this is how the church works. I mean, we we did door to door with Okach, and then we left. This is the the first year. And then we get this report. He's like, I just kept going. Yeah. And there's a couple more churches now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't stop. <laughs> like, dude, awesome. Yeah. Um, and these these people with the training of the small catechism as their max training were like, well, we should tell other people about this. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they did. <laughs> so they did. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, now we have another church, but we still don't have a pastor. Yeah. It's like, dude, this is... It's in, in those ways, it's so much less complicated. It's yeah. not less less hard or less difficult, but it's so much less complicated because you know we send people to you know church planting um, classes mm-hmm. and and you know you get these certificates and all of this training and they're mm-hmm. like yeah we just went with the small catechism and told these yeah. guys about Jesus just walked around <laughs> and it worked weird <laughs> it's so weird. It's like a God thing or something. But now they need like just that next level of, of training, Yeah, you know, and, and it's not, it's not evangelism training. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could see that was their stress too. It's like, they just didn't know what to do next. Mm-hmm. And they kept asking about training. And um, so that's their struggle, right? It, it, it's, you know, balancing church, um, home life with, with the tr- few bits of money they can make, waiting in line for food and water, all those things, and they're they're struggling. Mm-hmm. But but I think that's the good struggle, right? It's the right struggle. I mean, they're not struggling with should I go to church? They're <laughs> nope. not struggling. Should I, you know, should I be evangelizing? They're like, how do I do it? Yeah. How do I balance it? Am I um, trained enough? Things like that. Yeah. And they they just want like somebody to to give them more teaching about the Bible. Yeah. They just, they just, they're begging for pastors, which is why I, I keep making this plea for other pastors to come on this trip. They just, they want somebody to sit down and let's talk about uh, creation or let's yeah. talk about husband and wife. That was a great one I got this year was um, about uh, a couple. So this, this is, you can imagine so foreign from our own experience here uh, a young lady gets pregnant out of wedlock mm-hmm. you know which doesn't happen in america anymore thanks be to god and uh they don't want if she wants to get married but he doesn't again thanks be to god we've we're past that here with our men in america or like maybe the family doesn't want her to marry him mm-hmm. 
what do you do? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, go to the States and hang out in high school. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's nothing that, that any pastor in the U.S. hasn't dealt with a thousand times. Yeah. I, every time <clears throat> you hear them talk about their issues or their problems, there's definitely a parallel here mm-hmm. in the States. They're, the problems aren't really that much different because they they're, they come down to, to people problems, people being selfish. And, and so it's not the exact same problems, but they're all parallels is what I've experienced. Drugs, alcohol, sex, violence, mm-hmm. basically the Ten Commandments. The, 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 yeah, the, I think the male leadership too, right? The, <laughs> right. They, a lot of times they don't want to help their wives. They don't want to dedicate to their wives they, and their family. They just are always looking for some biblical excuse to keep living the way they have. Mm-hmm. And that's, I just think that's no different than here. The Bible says my wife shouldn't wear trousers. Yeah. Yeah. The trouser story. <laughs> well, this year was the first year I ever met somebody. Um, well, that woman that had, whose husband had two wives. Yeah. Right. So I've never experienced that before. And that was amazing because she basically was telling us when she asked us to pray for her was, pray for her husband and his other wife because she's been kind of outcast from yeah. the group. And she was looked very distraught. Yeah. And we, and we prayed for her. And then 10 minutes later, we meet the son of the guy. Yeah, of the other wife. <laughs> of the other wife. And, and they're living in a different place. And the first thing this 19-year-old kid asked us was to pray for his parents because his dad and mom fight all the time. Yeah. So you could just see how the two wife thing was not working for that dude. No. I don't think one wife would work for that dude. <laughs> Does not sound like it. But but the first wife that we met was like, pray for my my husband because he does not believe. Yeah, well, that's right. He wasn't a believer too. And it was yeah. like, you know, what and she had some of those questions like what do we do in this situation? And I was like, Well, you know what? The Bible talks about being unequally yoked and how yeah. you stay together in hopes that your righteousness will lead to his coming yes. to faith. And I was like, Yeah, this is in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it was also cool that, um, like, she gave her side of the story. Yeah. Then we talked to the the son. He gave the same story. Yeah. I was no, like, it was. yeah. It was. I'd never never had that experience before. We had a lot, just so many new different experiences on this trip too, in just the short period of time. Mm-hmm. We were in the camps. So. Yeah, and this is this is where, you know, a few things that I, I think we ought to adjust moving forward. One of them is. Trying to find a time when school is out and there's more access, kids are more available during the yeah, day because yeah. we have to be out of the camp before dark. Yeah, actually five. Yeah, yeah. Be, be, it before gets dark before about six thirty that time. Yeah. So yeah, it's unfortunate. And it's usually like we're packing up and leaving, and you can see the kids walking home. Yeah. Soccer games yeah. are starting, and like man, yeah. I wish there was time. Um, that, and, that and training. Yeah, and you that's know, the other one I, is training. And, and trying to find a, a way to be there when the men are more available. Because mm-hmm. a lot of them do um, real small, either what they call casual labor, which we yeah. day labor. You know, you just walk around and somebody says, do this for yeah. 20 shillings. Um, so there's day labor or small jobs with some of the, the, organi- the, the organizations that help run the camp. Yep. And they're, they're doing that during the day. Yeah. And I, I mean, and you can't, they probably can't not do that. I mean, they need, mm-hmm. they need to be staying working because there's a thousand people in line behind them to, to yeah. take that job if they don't show up. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a struggle. 
so that one time that I, I walked with um, John Jock back, that was <clears throat> that was fun. Like so, we not quite enough seats. So um, Pastor John's like, oh, let's let's walk you, me, and these these guys. He wanted to chit chat a little bit. I think yeah. um, we were able to, to walk a shortcut and get back faster than the oh, vehicles yep, could yep. drive. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'll take that any day. Um, he had a couple of interesting questions. He wanted to know about uh, America and the church's um, view on same-sex marriage and, and these sorts of things mm-hmm. and, and women's ordination yeah. kind of is where he wanted to go with this mm-hmm. because he he's, he was saying, you know, what about women's ordination? He is, he is very biblical, old-school, confessional Lutheran, but in in reality, is like, I mean, look at his church; it's all, all women. women. Yeah, because the the his specific scenario is all of the men are back fighting. Yeah, or dead, or dead. Yeah. So, um, what if there's no man to be the pastor? Yeah. And like, I I have had these hypothetical conversations mm-hmm. with professors in the seminary, and they're all like. This is so stupid to even talk about. It's such a hypothetical. It could never happen. <laughs> you should get one of those guys to come uh, with You us. should get one of those guys to be like, no, dude, like all over the place here. Yeah. This happens. Yeah. Or like the the most practical, um, one of a, a very practical way to address the, the training while the men are at work is to train the women who then can train the men after we have to leave, mm-hmm. but like real strict biblical confessional reading of, of scripture would say, no, yeah, women can't teach work. men. Yeah. What do like, you do? Apparently you abandon them forever and say, screw them yeah. <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's not that the, the rules don't apply. It's just that there's grace for circumstances mm-hmm. where you can't get around reality. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the reality there is so foreign to here. I mean, it's incomprehensible at times. Yeah. So that's a tough one. I just heard about a movie that's coming out and it, it's like the opposite, but it's, it's super science fiction. It's some kind of like targeted, um, disease or something that kills all of the women on the planet mm-hmm. except for this one guy's daughter. It's interesting. I like apocalyptic stuff in general. And it's like, that is such a crazy and out there premise. You have to suspend reality just to kind of enjoy it. You know, like, like uh, Stephen King's the road or something like that. You just have to suspend reality and enjoy right. it. You got to just believe the framework they created yeah. and then you go to, you go to Kakuma and you're like, or, all of the men are gone <laughs> and it's yeah. just these women. Yeah. That actually is a thing. Yeah, it is a thing. And even, uh, I think probably some of the men that are there because, you know, in their home countries, I bet you they spend, the men spend a lot of time together, whatever, doing, mm-hmm. you know, tribal things, hunting, all that stuff. And, and they don't have those things to do, but they still probably congregate to have that fellowship oh, yeah. amongst themselves. So they're, Everyone is very accustomed to the men not being around yeah. during the day or even extended periods of time. But it doesn't work very well there for them. No. And that's where the conflicts come in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But overall, it was it was cool. You know, yet again, another new church, more more and more Christians, 
look forward to seeing all of the baptisms that I'm quite sure are going to happen. Yep. Pictures of that. New young leaders and new young leaders worrying about the next young leaders. Yeah. It's, yeah, they've, they're in a different place than they were the first time. It's, it's awesome. And, you know, just, so we, we never really got to sit and talk with that other guy who's identified for training, I think as an evangelist, but maybe even eventually as a pastor, yeah. he kind of showed up late to our group. Okay. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I forget. I want to say Bartholomew, but I'm not, I don't yeah. think that's right. Um, so, you know, since we've started three years ago, Farah mm-hmm. is becoming a pastor. Okach is becoming a pastor. This guy's becoming a pastor. That's Simon. He might. I I think so. Yeah. I yep. think he's his English is good. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a young pup, though. Mm-hmm. That's He's so tall yeah. and just such a commanding presence. Everybody's like, that guy's got to be like 35. I think he's 19 or 20. Yeah, probably. He was singing in the youth choir last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then James was killed, and he's kind of stepped up. Yeah. So this, yeah, yeah, this trip is is changing the face of the kingdom on earth. Mm-hmm. Most certainly is. So wait, you got to go? Yeah. Got All a right. job. Yeah. How's your re-entry been? Um, uh, pretty good. I think just the experience with the jet lag stuff, you kind of know how to deal with it yeah. better. But I had like a, it was pretty weepy yesterday. Oh, yeah? It was really weird. I, I kind of got <laughs> tired in the afternoon and I was like missing everybody, <laughs> missing Aww. everybody on the team, missing everybody at the camps. And so I just kind of had a Aww. muscle through that one. But mm-hmm. it's been good. Today feels great. So I've, I've been pretty good. I, I am pretty, I'm a huge advocate, I realize, of, of Ambien. But um, I, I don't own stock or anything. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> no, no disclosure needed. Uh, yeah, that's what I do is I just try and get to eight, nine o'clock. Yeah. And you feel so tired. You're like, I don't need to take anything. I'll, but then you pop awake at yeah. 4 a.m. And it's yeah. Or 2 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, no. So I, I, I'm taking Ambien too, but I'll, I'm done now. Because I'm adjusted. I could tell last night. So I think last night was the last night I'll take it. I, yeah. I'm driving to the Smoky Mountains. Oh, I'm leaving at like 2 in the morning. Um, and I obviously don't want to be on Ambien while driving. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> that seems smart. So, yep. yeah, yeah. All right, man. Thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Yeah, dude. And thanks for the coffee. And if you want your own Kari's coffee, we are like... These close mm-hmm. to selling it online. Ooh. It's just about we have to figure out the um, the process of shipping. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's easy enough to flip a switch and you can go to yeah. the website and click. I want a pound or two or five pounds of coffee. Yeah. Buy. No, and it, it has that nutty rich flavor. So the the roasting that's done here has been done right. It's it's the real deal. And you're a coffee nerd. A little bit. You tested the hardness of the water <laughs> in the camp yes. to see the and, and have considered bringing a reverse osmosis machine. <laughs> well, I mean, you want about 150 parts per million hardness mm-hmm. in the water, but when I tested it there, it was like what 370, 380. <laughs> so their water is broken. <laughs> it's chewy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how we fix it other than filter it. Yeah, there's no way. I can't imagine a way to fix it because you'd have to, you still have to boil it. So you have to like filter it and then give it back to them to boil, to get hot. Yeah. To make coffee. No, it would be horribly complex. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But the coffee is good there when we have it. It's just, 
not perfect. It's not exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right, dude. Thanks for coming in. Let's so there you have it. Yet another awesome mission trip. Um, hope you enjoyed all of that, all the stories. It is it is just an awesome trip, and I am blessed to be a part of it. So uh, please do, if you are a pastor listening to this, um, man, people there need training. They, they are just dying for something that is small catechism and, and the next step, you know, basic Christian, Lutheran, biblical teaching. They're dying for it. They're begging for it. Um, so yeah, let me know if you are at all interested in that. It's a it's a cool time, cool story. There's there's not a lot of drama every year. This year, the devil just wanted us to not go, um, and that didn't work out for him. So nanner nanner. Um, yeah, whatever. Uh, follow me on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram, Luke underscore Tim, uh, and all that stuff. And uh, cool. Till next time. Be good. <laughs>